when there's ignorance, the mind takes things very personally. Comfort, discomfort, praise and criticism, gain and loss, happiness, unhappiness. These impressions and thoughts, judgments, woven together and made into a person. But in in terms of Dhamma, seeing clearly, seeing with Vijja, it's recognized that the mind is not a person. Things can be taken very personally. Happiness, unhappiness, fear, excitement, jealousy, regret, aversion, attraction. But essentially, the mind is not a person. The mind is Dhamma, aspect of nature. The citta is Dhamma. It's not a person, not I, or me, or mine, not a, an individual, not a separate, independent entity. Well, the habit is to take thoughts and feelings, ideas, memories, moods, in a very personal way. But the more that is done, the more that the flow of experience is taken personally, the more dukkha, the more discontent, dislocation, dissatisfaction is generated as a stressing, a tensing in the heart. When our fears and desires, hopes and regrets, loves and hates are seen as a part of nature, the arising, passing, the flow of natural forms, there's an ease, there's a naturalness, a simplicity. When things are taken personally, my memories, my hopes, my ideas, my plans, my fears, my achievements, As long as there's a person-centered perspective, there's always going to be the experience of, of discontent, dislocation. There's a wrongness. It shouldn't be this way, or it's not fair, or if I had more of this or less than that, then I'd be happy. Life shouldn't be this way. If only I was different, everything would be fine. This is dukkha, the dukkha of wanting things to be other than the way they are. It shouldn't be this way. That's the feeling. 
Life is out of order. Things have gone wrong. When the mind sees with ignorance, clouded by ignorance, not seeing clearly avicca, unawareness, then that brings with it this feeling of, of wrongness. Life shouldn't be this way. It's out of order. But when that ignorance is dropped, when the mind wakes up, when there's a clear seeing, then there's a recognition. How could nature be out of order? How could there be any fundamental wrongness? Life, the universe, everything functions perfectly according to natural law. Dhamma-niyamata. There's a lawfulness, an orderliness to what's experienced. It might still be uncomfortable if we're criticized. There's a bitter taste. If we're cold, we still shiver. If we're hot, we still sweat. But there's no feeling of wrongness, or it shouldn't be this way, or that life is out of order. There's no dukkha, essentially. So as we have this time of group practice, group meditation together, this is an ideal opportunity to explore how the mind takes things personally and how it doesn't have to. We can train the mind to break free of those limiting habits, limiting ways of seeing. We can change these perceptions, change this attitude from a self-centered perspective to a Dhamma-centered perspective or nature-centered perspective. Here it is. To look at our mind or our personality and to, to judge ourselves as, I shouldn't be this way. It's like looking at a cloud and saying, you're the wrong shape. Go up and talk to a rock. You're too pointy. You should be round at that end and sharp at the other end. You're the wrong shape for a rock. It's ridiculous. Crazy. But we do that about ourselves or about others, people that we live with, all the time. You shouldn't be so loud. You shouldn't be so quiet. You shouldn't be so needy. You shouldn't be so annoyingly self-reliant. You should be like me. This is how the heart creates dukkha. By believing in those shoulds and shouldn'ts. And we train the, the heart, the mind, to see things from a nature-centered perspective, from the, with the eye of Dhamma, to see things according to the natural law, then we recognize it's this way. This body, this personality, it's this way. This person, this day, the weather, 
this place, it's this way. Which doesn't mean to say that we're making ourselves numb, or passive, or unresponsive, but rather it's a radical attunement of the heart to the way things are, to the nature of things. So we start from where we are, rather than where we think we should be. Not creating an idealized image of ourselves or others, and then judging ourselves according to that external standard. But we start from this body, this mind, this personality, this karmic configuration of this very life, as a woman, a man, old, young, tall, short, artistic, mathematical, practical, impractical, however it might be. We start from where we are. If we learn to not take life personally, not to see our own life, the lives of others, in a personal, judgmental way, we find ourselves much more able to function in life. To attune harmoniously to the, the situation that we're in. To work with our body in a, a sensitive way. Not with the idea of how the body should be, but how it is. How our personality should be, but how it is. How others should be. We work with how they are. The development of the reflection on anicca, uncertainty, is a powerful tool to look at our own judgments and to question them. This is one method of approach we can use. Also to develop the reflections on not-self. So along with the anicca-sanya, we can develop the anatta-sanya. To make a point of noticing how many times during the day do we frame the world in personal terms. I think, I feel, I should, I shouldn't. I will go, I used to. You are, you should. You will. By simply taking note of the number of times during the course of a day, even just one hour, to see how the mind creates as self-centered judgments. How that self-centered perspective gets formed. When we see how it's formed, then we can free the heart from doing it. We don't see how it's formed. We don't see how that operates. It's very hard to free the heart from the habit. 
So this is a, another approach we can take to, to notice consciously, deliberately, during the course of a day, how often the mind frames things in that I, me, and mine format. To notice that, to catch it. When the mind says, well, I think, that well, there is thinking. I remember, well, there's remembering. I'm going to, well, there's the intention to go. To catch it, notice it, reframe it. If we make this as a deliberate exercise, a little project for the day, my experience is it's quite startling, amazing, how often, hundreds of times during a day, the mind creates, feeds this self-centered perspective. I should, I shouldn't, I feel, I remember, I want, I don't want. We're bringing attention to the I-making and mind-making habits. Not to create aversion or fear or to develop vibhavatana, the desire to get rid of, but simply by bringing attention to that I-making and mind-making, ahankara, mamankara, by simply knowing it, being aware of it, feel the stress, the tension, the tensing that comes from that. Just letting that be fully conscious, that creates the, uh, the initiative to let go. We don't even have to think, I should let go. I'm creating stress here. I've got a problem with I'm making and I'm making. I need to get rid of it. It's just more I-making and more mind-making. Well, the trust the power of awareness, of vichya itself, is to feel that I-making and mind-making. Let that stressing be known, be felt, and then the letting go happens on its own. By recognizing you're carrying five pieces of heavy luggage, why am I lugging all this stuff around? This is really sweaty and heavy. How do I need to do this? The urge to put it down arises on its own. Just let the awareness be brought to that eye-making, mind-making. And the less commentary, the better. The less I should, I must the less verbalizing around it, the simpler the process remains, the more effective. Just let that feeling of I and me and mine be fully known. Allow that into the heart. Feel the tension, the stressing that's there. Then just feel, watch the relaxing happen on its own. The letting go happens by itself. And then when there's that relaxation, and the letting go has 
been fulfilled, notice how it is. What's the experience of the citta, the heart, when it's free of grasping? That simplicity, that natural peacefulness. In that moment, that is the peace of Nibbāna. When Yungpocha was asked to define what Nibbāna is, he said it's the reality of non-grasping. It doesn't have to be seen just as some kind of grand event at the end of a long period of intense meditation. But in this moment, when the heart is free of grasping, that natural, simple, rich peacefulness, that energetic peacefulness, clarity. This is a momentary experience of Nibbāna. A heart free of grasping. It's like this. Pure, bright, peaceful, spacious, non-personal. 